Hello and welcome to episode three of the Double Cross podcast. I am BJ Cadden and I'm joined by my co-host Ryan Haley. Ryan, how are we doing today? Doing well. It was a uh, pretty eventful weekend in the world of golf um, with seemingly more great news to come um, or more news to come at least. Um, but it's it's been a pretty wild week and I got to watch some golf. I got to play some golf, so good weekend overall. How about yourself? It was it was a rough weekend. Visited some friends, had a good time. Regretted it a little bit this morning when I had to get up for work, but it was a lot of good golf. Me- Go ahead. I was going to say the memories last longer than the alarm clock, so they do, they do. But it was a good weekend of golf. I did get to watch a good bit of golf. <clears throat> I didn't watch much of the BMW Championship. So we can go ahead and start with the USAM, which is what I watched. I do want to go ahead and talk about this because, you know, Georgia Southern golfer Ben Carr, which I attend Georgia Southern, if anybody didn't know. Georgia Southern golfer Ben Carr made it all the way to the USAM final, came back from five down, got it to one down, and then ultimately Sam Bennett, the number three ranked amateur in the world, won. Ryan, I know you were watching more of the uh, the BMW Championship yesterday, but I know you watched some of the USAM throughout the week. What were your thoughts on on Sam Bennett? I know we talked about it a little bit before. What were your thoughts on the week overall? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously to preface, like you said, I was keeping up a lot through my phone uh, rather than through coverage, at least until last few holes on Sunday um, for a litany of reasons. Um but yeah, I guess not to bury the lead too much. Uh, Texas A&M Sam Bennett, who actually kind of surprisingly came back for a last season. Uh, he was he had one extra year with COVID, but he was a senior last year. He was one of the top ranked people in the PGA Tour U rankings, I believe, and chose to forego pretty much automatic Corn Ferry Tour status for another round, um, which obviously looks smart now that he's a U.S. Amateur champion and into the U.S. Open and the Masters uh, and the Open Championship, I believe, or the, the trio of qualifications you get there mm-hmm. um so obviously it looks smart now but there were a lot of people that were pretty shocked that he was the one who stayed behind um i'm a little torn on how to feel about sam bennett overall um uh obviously i want to start with the good dude's a hell of a player he's super super good you see why he's number three in the rankings um he's got a great game and he's got a great kind of moxie uh that i don't miss like it doesn't necessarily matter I saw people kind of debating whether or not it was likable or not. I think that matters less than whether or not it's kind of needed in golf. And a guy who can say stuff like Sam Bennett, who early in the week was saying stuff like, yo, I know all the players here are good, but I am the third ranked amateur in the world and one and two are gone. Like, this is my thing to win. And having a guy who has that kind of swagger and moxie a little bit of the podium, whether you like it or not, makes golf so much more interesting and so much more fun. Um, and so Sam Bennett feels like he's kind of in a new generation. There's a new generation of player. I feel like that's much more comfortable behind the microphone and much more willing to make themselves a character rather than just be as non-controversial as possible. And Sam Bennett's willing to be that dude. And that's really, really good for golf. Um, so beyond being a great player, beyond a couple of really, really clutch shots, uh, beyond some club twirls that I think are going to get replayed for decades to come on Kyle Porter's Twitter account. Um, He's got this kind of swagger that he brings with him everywhere that's really, really admirable. Um, and that'll be interesting to watch going forward uh, in what I assume are going to be a lot of professional Sundays. I don't want to 
I don't want to cast any expectations because we know that everybody in college or junior golf or even the Corn Ferry Tour, it's not a one-to-one comparison on how successful they're going to be. But at the, the very least, we're going to watch Sam Bennett in some professional tournaments, wherever he is. Um, yeah. But, dude, the pace of play is <laughs> egregious. It's it, He should have like, – oh, my God. It was I needed, like, a written apology. Someone for, took a video. For um, anybody who didn't watch, every time, every single time Sam Bennett hits a ball that's not a putt, he stands over the ball, resets his feet, regrets the club, no less than five times, every single shot without fail. There was – I forget which hole, but in the championship match, one of the par threes, uh, someone took a video from when he was – like. He was standing behind the ball from the second he stepped forward to approach the ball to contact. It was like 32 seconds. Isn't there a time limit? In theory, if the USGA would ever like actually enforce it, but they're more afraid of a rules violation determining the outcome than they are actually upholding the sanctity of the rules of golf, which in fairness, I hate giving the USGA credit there. I kind of get it. You don't like, you don't want, I, I know there's a time limit, you don't want the USAM like you don't want to give Sam Bennett if he has like a two up lead in the US Amateur with three holes to play. You don't want to give him a stroke and like okay somehow Ben Carr comes back and wins and you're like oh damn that was a slow play USAM like you don't want to you the rules official's goal out like the rules official any rules official any sports two goals one upholding the sanctity of competition two not inserting yourself into the narrative and I think there's a point where with golf at least one and two kind of go against each other with slow play sometimes. And I kind of get airing on the side of number two, even if it's painful to watch. Didn't uh, Kevin Nah? didn't he? I'm pretty sure he got penalized for taking too long to hit a ball one time. Uh, Back when I he had think, like the yips and was just like I going don't through think it. the tour did. Cause I remember, hold on. Um, I re- remember the one controversy was that, the PGA Tour hit – oh, that's it, 2017. The PGA Tour hit Brian Campbell and Miguel Angel Carballo, um, who were at like a team event in the first ever team uh, event at Zurich in New Orleans. It was the first slow play penalty in 22 years. Oh, my God. And it was against like two like no names in the team event. True. Sure. True. So I don't I mean unless Nas has been penalized in the last three years, but he had the yips in like twenty twelve. So they, yeah. they they coddle all they coddle a lot of it. Um but I don't know. I mean it I get why you don't want the US amateur to be decided by someone holding the whistle and stepping in and being like, Hey, go faster, but like holy crap. I mean, again, it is enough for me that Sam Bennett is being judged by court of public opinion for his pace of play. But that was the one part that didn't sell me. I, I mentioned this before we got on air. If you take 30 seconds and like waggle and reset your feet seven times and hit a shot and then a club twirl it like you just pimped it, don't do that. Don't do that. Either be deliberate or be flashy. Like don't take 40 seconds and then like pimp strut off the first tee. Like that, that was the I part agree. where I was like, this is, this is not like it was just such a contrasting style of like being so deliberate over the ball and being just so like arrogant to be quite frank, which I don't really necessarily view as a word with negative connotation. I think you have to be arrogant to be a really good golfer, 
Um, but that was like, it's probably better for his golf game that he has delivered over the ball and confident off of it. But it was just such a stark contrast that it was just kind of mind numbing a little bit. I agree, but that club twirl he had on 17 in the semis was just ice cold. Oh, God. Or the one off the 18th tee, which I believe was a pre-apex twirl. Uh, his last hole after Ben Carr, notably, as you mentioned, and I'm sure we'll get to Ben Carr here in a second, um, but after Ben Carr was five down with 15 to play, got it all the way back to one down to force the 36th hole, and Sam Bennett on the tee, Ben Carr in the right rough, Sam Bennett on the tee, needs – pretty much a par at this point to win the U S amateur. He can be fairly confident, uh, hits it. And I think he twirled the driver before the tee shot apexed, which was pretty sick. I do want to give him credit there in that situation. That's pretty sick, but. Yeah. yeah. Both, Um, both guys get a likely invitation. Sam Bennett is exempt to the U S open British open and masters. Ben Carr is exempt to the U.S. Open and will receive a likely invitation to the Masters. I believe it's written in stone that he's going. Like you get an invite if you're the runner-up. Amazing. And for – Hometown boy. It is. And as a Georgia Southern student, this was one of the – this is the biggest thing that happened in Statesboro in general in the past five years probably. This – this whole community rallied around Ben like I've never seen them rally around anybody before. And I guess just going off, not on a tangent, but it, it'll it be huge for a program like Georgia Southern to have a guy, one, get runner-up in the USAM, two, play in the, the U.S. Open and the Masters. That's really all I have to say about it. Ben played amazing. He was murdering the ball yesterday. Fortunately, unfortunately, came up a little bit short, but – that was an absolutely amazing 36-hole match, and I'm glad it went all 36 holes. Yeah, there was a definite point, and I'm sure we'll talk – again, we'll talk more Ben Carr, but when it got – when Sam Bennett was five up through 21 holes, I got nervous. Yeah. I was like, don't – I'm glad Ben was able to fight back. But I was like, don't make this a blowout. Don't – like, just don't let Ben Carr lose, like, eight and seven. That would suck. And props to him. Him. Again, if we want to start there in our, in our Ben Carr talk, um, being five down with 15 holes to play, it's so easy to mentally check out. You already have the invitation to Augusta. You already have the U.S. Open. Both of those things are the main things everyone's trying to accomplish. Like people have said, I've heard people say before, the semifinal matches are almost the most stressful ones there. Yeah. Because it's four guys in two master spots. Yeah. Because um, you could see it when Ben – uh, won his semifinal match. He just he was just insanely emotional. He was in tears after winning, talking about the spot in the U.S. Open and the Masters. So I would definitely yeah. agree with that statement. So, like, you already have the two things that you kind of had your eye on a little bit. The trophy's obviously incredible and what everybody wants to win, but, like, you already have two massive, massive pros uh, just sitting in your closet knowing that you're going to be able to go to both of those big tournaments, arguably the two, the two biggest tournaments in the United States. Knowing you're able to go to both of those, um, knowing you've made it this far, it's so easy to just check out. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been so easy for Ben Carr to either get frustrated or lose concentration or stop trying and just kind of hand the match to Sam Bennett. And for him to dig down and find what he found, I mean, from when... So Ben Carr was... 
five down through four holes in his second match. He played his next seven holes in two under. Yeah. And three, like three birdies and one bogey that he tied a hole to Sam. Yeah, he went five down, and then they tie the fourth hole. And then the fifth hole, it, Ben's strength in his game is not around the greens. He's decent around the greens. He's nothing special. And then he gets to five on the second 18, puts it in from off the green, which was just sick. And then he goes to the sixth hole, which is a par three. A 220-yard par three. Yeah, which is insane. I'm going hybrid. But – Gets he's short of the green and solid four iron. <laughs> this is the hole after he puts it in, goes Texas wedge to to get back into the match. Pulls out a wedge and the announcers are like, "Why? I mean, you just putted it in. Why not just bring it out again?" Willie Wilcox had the putter in his hand, ready to go. Ben chips it in, gets the three down, three down on the match. Eventually, gets it down to two down. Stays at two down. Then they get to the 13th, which is a par five. Sam goes OB. Both guys are in the middle of February. Sam goes OB. Ben has 275 to the green. An opening. He's three down, five to play. Sam just went OB. and Just play the safe shot. Make a but, par. Make a par. Yeah. and but Sam's, ben, hit, Sam's hitting four from 240. Yeah, Ben goes OB, literally right over where Sam's ball went OB. Followed him there. They both hit their their fourth out of the fairway. Both go basically in the same spot. Both hit good enough shots, get out of there with bogey. And then uh, Ben gets it down to one down going into 18, and they just both go – both get a par. Nothing really he could do on 18. But, I mean, yeah. A hell of a fight by Ben. Sam played great, especially after struggling coming down the stretch on on Saturday. But it was one I do, hell of a match. I do want to clarify. There is something deeply endearing. As someone who's been in a lot of tense matches with my dad on the golf course, there's something deeply endearing to the guy you're playing against hitting an OB and you stepping up and being like, all right, I got an opportunity, just going right where he just went. <laughs> yeah. Like there's there's something so deeply endearing of like, yeah, that's exactly what I would do in that situation. Probably it's just like <laughs> sitting over the ball, like don't go right, don't go right, don't go right. And just immediately flaring it. Like, <laughs> so that that's that's a little bit human. That's a little endearing from Ben, but also really frustrating. Yeah, definitely. But I mean it, also, Ben's I, long. You talked about it before we started recording. Ben is long. Off yeah, the I didn't even realize Ben was that long. I mean, he was out. His ball was carrying Sam in the air almost every hole after lunch. It was just ridiculous to watch. And also, the stamina to have that much power over a 36-hole day. I like, think it, to, to generate the club head speed and the – ball this like the carry distance that he was generating on his like 33rd hole walking of the day it's insane also shout out willie wilcox on the back that's sick that was sick i was happy to that's see really him cool. on the back too love love willie wilcox love seeing him be happy and doing well also i want to talk about smiley kaufman smiley kaufman is amazing on, dude on smiley the kaufman was born 
born for that. Which again, uh, some I've read some pretty great Smiley Coffin features over the last few years or a few weeks and months. Um, dude, very clearly has something in his head when it comes to tournament golf. Uh, he's talked pretty openly about how he'll play casual matches with Jordan and JT and like hold his own against them. And then he gets in a tournament when it's like a KFT finals or some like event and it's just some mental block is there. Um, so, and he's, he's mentioned before he's been candid. He doesn't think he's giving up pro golf. I hope he's not. I hope we see Smiley Kaufman find what he found when he shot that final round 61 at Shriners. But if he doesn't, whenever his pro career ends or if it's already over, dude is born to hold around, like walk around on a mic. Oh, he was amazing this week at the USAM. It was very entertaining. He, he was actually he, sorry. Go. He was actually supposed to play in a um, Corn Ferry Monday Monday uh, Q at the Georgia Southern Course not too long ago, but he withdrew. Nice, but um, but yeah, it's very clear. And he talked. There's an athletic feature that I read about him that you can very clearly tell when you listen to him. He said, um, like it's real. Like his his first thoughts when he was like starting announcing was like, nobody wants to hear me drone on and on. Like, I got to be as fast as possible. And you can tell, I don't think, I think he's conscious of how fast he talks and how short, uh, how short this time is. I don't think he realizes uh, all the time how smart he is. Yeah. Because like, it's not just that he, he, like he gives such intelligent thoughts, but but when like the shortest amount of time possible, and it's the greatest combination you could really have. He's just such a natural. Yeah, I mean, he did. He worked what the was it the U.S. Open, and he was he was amazing. Then he was even better for the USAM. But yeah, I think we hit everything for the USAM. Unless there's anything you want to mention for we um, a couple things. Uh, Dylan Menanti, one of the semifinalists. Uh, his swing looks like someone took Sergio Garcia in a lab and just dialed every slider to 11. His, I, I showed my dad, I was at lunch and showed my dad a video of his lag on his like swing. And my dad like winced like the dude just absolutely like he like knocks himself in the hip with his right elbow. He just yeah. drags the club down so hard. So that's really sick. It was kind of cool to see him play well. Um, and obviously I know it's in my head, um, for obvious reasons, but, uh, shout out, I guess, Florida Gators, uh, somehow managed to not have a great season last year, but, uh, Fred Biondi, co-medalist, um, I do, I just want to shout out the season he's had and he's been having, um, all SEC first team, uh, he's like on the watch list for the Haskins award. Um, this is a guy who really at Florida is kind of a bit of an afterthought. If you look at that roster. Uh, Ricky Castillo has been one of the best amateurs in the world since he was like 16. Um, uh, Yushin Lin is a really, really highly sought after transfer. Um, he played in the China Open, his national open, when he was like 15, 16. Um, I'm, I'm even forgetting people just sitting here. Like it, the Florida team is just so, so top heavy. Um, Joe Pagden, that's the name that I was blanking on. Sorry, Joe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Pagden, um, one was like, SC, like one of the SEC freshmen of the year last year, I believe. Um, and so Fred Biondi, like in 2021, he like wasn't starting consistently for Florida. Like he was kind of in and out of the lineup, uh, was one of the, not necessarily like, 
not necessarily like back burners, but he just like was kind of around on the team. It felt like he was kind of like they had Florida had Ricky Yushin and Joe and four and five were up for grabs. And Fred was one of those guys. And Fred this season, I don't know what clicked, but something clicked um, for him to have. Uh, he was a first team All-American for golf week, first team All-American for paying. He was on the all region team. All SEC first team. He's in the Palmer Cup. Um, he was SEC golfer of the week twice, golf week player of the week once. Um, but just looking at his stats, um, if I can pull him up, he shot a 63 at the Gators Invitational in the opening round, ended up winning two events um, this spring, had two other runner-ups, I believe. Uh, and so for him to cap off this kind of season, which candidly, like if you stuck a gun to my head, head and be like hey someone on florida is going to win two events this spring and be a co-medalist with the u.s amateur in stroke play fred biondi would have been like my fourth or fifth guest on january 1st yeah and so for him to have the season he's been having i just wanted to give that a little bit more of a shout out yeah it was a it was a really fun week a lot of guys that we're going to be talking about down the road oh in- wait no, no also last thing michael Ford bjornson co-medalist sick I didn't even notice that. I, I just kind of looked past him. Um, but Thorpe Johnson is coming. He's coming really hard. <laughs> that did not – was not the way I intended <laughs> to phrase that. So I would ask you to take that out, but I know you probably won't. Oh, no, that's um, staying in. Okay, perfect. Um, but, no, Thorpe Johnson is going to be around for a while on the professional golf scene. The second he gets there, he is so, so good. So, yeah, Michael Thorbjörnson, watch out. He's coming. I'm really interested, the last thing before we move on, I'm really interested to see how far Bing Carr is going to go up the the amateur golf rankings. He's 70 right now, just got second at the USM. I'm assuming he's got a skyrocket, right? I'm surprised it hasn't updated already. I know. I, I was looking at it. Since the last update, it was the 17th, so I'm assuming it comes out on Wednesdays. That would but, make more sense. I mean, But, yeah, I'd assume he's going to fly upward. Um, I mean, that'd um, be that – that in and of itself is huge for George Southern if we can have a top 50-ish level amateur. But um, – also, last thoughts uh, while I'm here, because I'm, uh, I know I'm. This, this is more of like a closing thoughts uh, thing. Uh, did you see Parker Cootie won the PGA Tour Canada? I did by eight. Yes, at twenty-seven under. <sighs> the Cootie brothers are really, really good. Yeah, yeah, and too good. Too good. I would, I would argue, too good. Some would say. Um, but yeah, those, those are all my thoughts on the amateur golf scene and former amateur golf scene. Um, before we move to the the tour championship. I guess kind of on that same wavelength you were on with Cootie. Did you watch any of the uh, the Corn Fairy Finals this week or keep up with it at all? I, I kept up with it. I didn't watch um, a lot of golf happening uh, at one time. I uh, managed to keep up with the leaderboard at the end of every round. Um, but beyond that, nothing. Yeah, still, um, still a good bit of guys fighting for tour cards that, I mean, everybody that that people should know. You know who's fighting for a tour card right now that I haven't seen in forever? Who? Aaron Battle. 
That'd be kind of cool. Yes. That'd be kind of cool. Every, um, every month or so, he pops up on some, like, Thursday leaderboard, like, 8 a.m. It's like three under. Then it's just it's like, it's like Charlie Hoffman at the Masters. <laughs> yeah. Um, here it is. All right. Uh, I got the money list pulled up now from... There we go. Okay. Um, so we I got the leaderboard pulled up now. The apologies to all those leaderboard? involved. Yeah, apologies to all those involved for not knowing this on top of my head. Um so Boise opens the first event in the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need I need Akshay Batia to get a card. I've been on, I on him for so long. I need Akshay Batia to get a card. <laughs> I would also really appreciate Akshay Batia. You know, if Akshay and Sahib Thagala are both on the PGA Tour, I'm going to be on a new plane of existence. That would be so fun. The two of them are just such fun characters. Uh, we'll get to Sahith. I'm going. I'm going to get my. I'm going to get my moments in on Sahith later on. Um, their, their team. Also, at we'll, the, uh, their team at the Zurich is going to dominate for years. So good. Um, uh yeah, Will Gordon, shout, uh, MJ Duffy, shout out the U.S. Open. Um, tough scene in the playoff for both Phil Knowles and MJ Duffy, but likely a tour card will probably probably help soften the blow. Yeah, how exactly do the finals work with the tour cards? The top twenty-five from the corn ferry and the top twenty-five from the finals get cards, correct? Some kind of status. I think the top twenty-five from the finals get like limit, like some kind of like different tier of status, but they, I believe they get cards. Okay, I just wasn't sure if it was just entry to certain events or a full-on card. Uh, I think it's a full-on card. It just probably depends okay. um, on what events you can or can't get into. Uh, speaking of the U.S. Amateur, speaking speaking of the U.S. Amateur, Doc Redmond finished tenth. Yeah, I would I would love to see him get a card. Um, Minwoo Lee, bit of a disappointing weekend, bit of a disappointing week after an opening 63, uh, but a T26 probably can't hurt. Chris Goddard um, was playing this week. Got Goddard up as a 6 6 swing. Henrik Norlander was playing this week. Scott Harrington, he's the guy who, um, he had a PGA Tour card after his wife beat cancer, correct? I think so. Yeah, Scott Harrington finished T4. So I don't know the exact math. I don't want to get him there before he – I don't want to get him in before he gets in. But you get a T4 in one of those playoff events, you seem like a shoe in to get a card. Yeah. Like I think I saw um, Monday Q Info on Twitter. He said something about it last week, so I was asking about it. He said – he said I think he said basically if you get a, a T6 or better, you're pretty much a shoe in. There's only four events. There are only four events. My only hesitation is it's a T4, but it's like a five-way T4. Yeah. Um. So, which sucks for Doc Redman. He was one stroke away from T4, and he's solo tenth. Um. <laughs> but I'm sure he's I'm sure he's playing well enough that he'll be fine. Davis Thompson, dude, just will not stop bucking his head everywhere. Um. Also, speaking of like, do you think are you good enough to be a PGA Tour player? Uh, Davis Thompson went 67, 67, 64, 69, and finished T15 this week. 
which has to be just like maddening. <laughs> like it's gonna be so annoying. Like what did I like? What did I not play well enough? Yeah, I mean, that's... Mm. Nick Hardy, T fifteen. He's, He's coming back. Uh, ben On already has his card. Another uh, Brandon, Brandon US, Matthews, USAM runner up, John Augustine. Finished tied 50th. Uh, Min Lee, T26. You better get a card. Yes. Figure, figure it out, Min Woo. You better get a card. <laughs> I, I I need Min Woo Lee on the PGA Tour very, very badly. Um, yes. Norman John. I know he had a re- – I know he won an event. Did he not on the Corn Ferry? I think he won an event to get Corn Ferry stuff. Like, I think he got a sponsor invite and won. Um, he, but he I know he, he was a – like he was a phenom. Like they wrote profiles about him being the next Tiger Woods coming out of Oregon, and he has been lost in the wilderness for a couple of years. So very glad to see him. Kiradek Effie Barnrats in this. <laughs> Holy crap! There's a bunch of just guys. Uh, notable people that I did not expect to be in this: uh, Kevin Chapel, Sean O'Hare, Jeff Overton, Kyle Stanley, Bill Haas played in it. Uh, Jamie Donaldson. Yeah. Actually, actually, I missed the cut. Uh, Jimmy Stanger, shout out. I went to camp with his sister. Great, great people. Love the Stangers. Big fan. Jimmy's got one of the best swings on the planet. It's so gorgeous. Couldn't be, couldn't hear greater things about him. His sister couldn't be a nicer person. Um, Bill Haas, there he is. Um, Sean, Stef- Sean Stefani. Bo Van Pelt. I think I got a golf yes. ball from Bo Van Pelt a couple years ago. Oh, Harry Higgs is in the finals. I need him to have a great week somewhere. I, I can't I can't handle Harry Higgs losing his card, man. I can't do it. Me neither. Did you see uh uh Damon was on the bag first? I forgot who it was. He was That's on the bag. really cool. Yeah, I did I did see that. That was really cool. Austin Smotherman, number 126, I think, in the FedEx Cup, 126, 127, mm-hmm. one of the close ones, one of the bubble guys. Um, hope he manages to figure it out in uh, one of the final three events. Martin Trainer, who uh, is probably one of the sickest golfers on the planet, um, at least his stretch in like 2019, 2020. Uh, Martin Trainer uh, had, I believe, there was one stretch between his last Corn Ferry season and his first PGA Tour season. He had in like 35 events, I think he had like 29 missed cuts or withdrawals three top 25s and three wins <laughs> like it was like it was so sick um that was uh one of the stories like someone on no laying up said um years ago is like if you ask anyone on the pga tour who the worst golfer there was it was like martin trainer but if he was like on he was gonna shoot 61 and it was just like so stupid like he was either gonna shoot like 80 or like 62 every time he showed up but sometimes he just shot 62 four straight times and you were just kind of screwed um, another name to mention that almost made the FedEx Cup playoffs, but was playing this week, Justin uh, Lauer. I think he had like a bogey. He finished like bogey, bogey, or bogey par or something to miss the the top 125. But he had, a, I think it was a tied 15th finish this week. Anybody else you want to mention before we talk about the? Yeah, I don't want to keep us too long from the BMW. Just last two names that I see, uh, last three names I see. Uh, Hao Tong Lee, um, just wanted to shout out. Uh, Tommy Ganey, which I probably shouldn't 
get into any thoughts on Tommy Ganey for the sake of this podcast. And then Wesley Bryan, Wes Bryan. Yeah, so, I mean a bunch the, of bunch of familiar names. So yes, After, really cool. Really cool. Uh, this is one of my favorite segments of the year is when the PGA Tour guys and Corn Ferry guys get together and kind of battle it out, past and the future. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish. Uh, I, I guess one more thought before we move on to the PGA, right. the, the BMW. Is I wish that mostly the USAM got like its own day. I think somebody I saw tweeted about it. Put it on like the this Monday or something, and let the AMs have their own day. So it's not the same day as the Corn Ferry first event of the Corn Ferry Finals and the BMW Agreed. Championship. It's just it's Agreed. obviously for a golf fan, it's amazing to have that much good golf. But you also want to be able to watch all of that golf or all of the golf possible. Not, not every golf fan has three screens, and just the way the world operates, ask the LPGA Tour officials, ask the last college, ask Corn Ferry, anybody. If you are going against the PGA Tour event, you're going to lose from a ratings mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. And so get the USAM a Saturday or a Monday finish. Dude, the college football does that with the NFL. Mm-hmm. Just know where you are in the world. Yeah, I think that's all there was for Corn Ferry, college, amateur golf. Kind of talked about a lot there, but it did yeah, that was a longer segment than I expected it to be. But the PGA Tour also had a big event this week: the BMW Championship, second round of the playoffs. Patrick Cantley defended his championship, the first player to do so in a FedEx Cup playoff event. Speaking of people who take a while over the ball, yeah, he's gotten better. He's gotten better. <laughs> did you see the? Have you seen the clip from a couple years ago? Um. I can't. My parents listen to this podcast. I can't say it, but I'll, I'll send it. Oh, to the you. my ties. Yes, yeah, the, yes. The, the, the first tee at uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, that uh, apologies to your parents. I'm sure I've used language they're not proud of. <laughs> um, and hello, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Gadden. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the uh, the infamous incident on Capaluva's tee where he allegedly <laughs> said he was doing. Didn't he allegedly say he was doing an impression of Mark Rolfing? I think so. Which is really funny. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, every time I think about the slow play, it's, it's those two things are pretty synonymous. My favorite detail of the weekend that leads into Eastlake, uh, which I can also come up come up later, but I want to bring up now that I, we have the leaderboard in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, Sanders Shoffley's birdie putt on 18 on Sunday. 11 feet, miss it just over the edge. If that had gone in, Patrick Cantley would be leading the FedEx Cup. But oh. it missed. So he was tied for third with Scotty Scheffler, which means that Scotty Scheffler remained roughly 70 points above Patrick Cantley. Oh, my God. Meaning that Scotty Scheffler is at 10 under and Patrick Cantley is at 8 under rather than the other way around. Gosh. So Xander might have to take Pat out to dinner this week or something. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, let's just talk about Patty Ice. Just – Apparently has a switch he turns on in the playoffs the past two years. Turned it on here last year. He's up pretty much in the exact same position he was headed to East Lake in, in 2021. It, obviously, Scotty Scheffler's been playing just unreal golf the past year. But Patrick Cantley, I mean, we've seen him do it before, win the BMW and then win the Tour Championship. Is he the favorite this week in Eddie's Lake? Um, 
No, I still think it has to be Scotty just because Scotty also finished third last week. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same point, like if you told me you're picking Patrick Cantlay to win, I wouldn't call you wrong. And I think a big thing about this, I don't think people, myself included, have really realized and appreciated how well Patrick Cantlay has been playing this year just because he hasn't been racking up the level of trophy level up to collect, which to be fair, the dude does not show up in big tournaments. Like he is very, very bad in majors. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Um, So that has to tie into it somehow. Um, But his outside of the first round of the playoffs where he finished 57, I'm going to read to you his appearances in non-majors since the RBC Heritage, where he lost in a playoff to Jordan Spieth. Outside of majors, playoff loss at the RBC Heritage, tied for third at the Memorial, tied for 13th at the Travelers, tied fourth at the Scottish Open, tied for second at the Rocket Mortgage, and he won the BMW. Yeah. Outside of the majors, the dude is a menace. Hey, you hey, you left out his uh, win at the Zurich. Yeah, that's a team event. It's not sitting there in the world golf rankings, but yes, he did. He did win the team event at Zurich, um, and I think even Xander said that he kind of carried Xander a little bit. Oh, he did carry. Um, it was hard to watch. But yeah, uh, going back to even going back to last year's playoffs, um, but this season alone, he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He now has eight top fours this season. And I don't think we've really properly appreciated how good that was. Uh, lost in a playoff to Scotty at Phoenix. Lost in a playoff to Jordan Spieth at the Heritage. You you could very easily make an argument in my head, majors notwithstanding, that he's a couple coin flips away from not necessarily pushing Scotty for player of the year, but at least being in the discussion. Yeah. Um. And so for a guy to have – two playoff losses. I mean, I know he was the player of the year last year. I know both of us have said we weren't really totally okay with him being player of the year last year. Um, But he has been really consistently excellent this season. And I think that because he's not stacking up the level of, like, I think we saw last year's playoffs as a level up in our head for Mm -hmm. him. Yeah, And we expected it to show up in big events and it really didn't. He had an eighth at the open championship, but it was really pretty non-competitive for where everybody else was. Um, but his other major and big event, he had a 14th at the U.S. Open, missed the cut at the PGA, missed the cut at the Players, and finished T39 at the Masters. Yeah. Like, he was really an underwhelming season for a guy who's coming off Player of the Year and won two of the biggest events in golf. Um, and I think because of that, we kind of underrate, like, this dude is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he plays really good golf at a lot of golf courses because he's just so, so solid. So, um I- Going to the the major thing, I know we're talking about the BMW and and the Tour Championship, but he's only he has three top ten in in majors in his careers. In his career, two of those came the same year, and then one came this year, which was kind of a backdoor top ten. But at what point does it become, I guess, concerning that he's not competing in majors? Last year, yeah, like I it just straight up it. I remember, for me at least, it started ringing an alarm bell in my head when he flamed out at Kiowa. Mm-hmm. Because that that was the one where I was like, this course should really set up well for you. You fit all the models. You're playing well. You're playing like you're playing well, but you aren't winning enough tournaments to really feel like you might be tired. Um, 
and he totally just like didn't show up didn't hear the gun didn't start um and even those three top tens the only real one where it felt like he had a chance to win was the 2019 masters and that was probably kind of like a fake chance to win because he like played 13 14 15 before everybody else did and kind of threw up a number um and then immediately the second he saw his name on top of the leaderboard made a double um so it it got concerning for me last year it, it i would say it would have been less concerning if he'd had like a couple majors where he was like there on Thursday and Friday and then faded, mm-hmm. but he's just, he's just never there to begin with. And it's like, it's less so that he's choking when he's there and more so that he's never giving himself the opportunity to choke. And that's what scares me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It, it's kind of the same thing, obviously at a different scale because he's younger, but Victor Hovland also hasn't done a lot in majors, but He's he's super young. He'll get there eventually. That, also, that was I'll, the conversation before St. Andrews. And then Hovland showed up for 54 holes. Really, really lackadaisical Sunday. But he showed up for 54 holes at St. Andrews. Bought himself a little time in my head. True. Also, Patrick Cantley is 37th on the money list all the time. And he could be in the money another. list is such a The money list is such a fun game to play. <laughs> of like, where do certain guys fit on the money list? Uh, do you have the money list up in front of you? I do. Okay, put it away. I'm gonna play a game. <laughs> Forget everything you just saw. Okay. Um. All right. I want you to guess where. Who do I want to pick first? Matt Kuchar. Where is Matt Kuchar on the all-time list? I just saw. List? I just saw his name on the list. Pretty sure he's top ten, isn't he? Is he eighth? eighth? He is eighth. That's insane. Uh, but he doesn't. Tip, st- he doesn't tip where his caddies. No, he doesn't. Where is Stewart Sink? Saw his name too. I can't remember if he's top ten or not. Is he thirteenth? He's seventeenth. <laughs> John Rom. Where is John Rom? Who turned pro in twenty seventeen? Where is John Rom? Oh. He's like 30, isn't he? Something like that. 28. <laughs> Just above Justin. For what? Leonard. That's what? Five, six years of a professional six career? Years. Yeah. I. Oh, wait. That's so sick. DJ's not even on here anymore. Really? Yeah. They took DJ off. You know Phil's, who... still, Phil's still here, but DJ's just gone. Because DJ's who... third, I think. You know who else is top 30 is number he's he's top 20 he's top 30 that's super shocking Roy Sabatini is 26th oh Billy Borschel's 30th Why is DJ not on here Brooks Bill is Bill is Brooks is DJ's just not I don't know <laughs> Probably because DJ resigned membership and the other two officially have it. Sure. Did sure. Phil? I think Phil resigned his membership. I don't I, know. I thought he did. Uh, I, I, all I know is I think that like Rory and Spieth are going to like rewrite how much. I think Rory, Spieth, and Thomas are going to like rewrite how much the top of this board really makes. Yeah. For how young they are and where they are in this, I mean, Spieth and Thomas, especially, they've Justin Thomas has made 50 million on the golf course <laughs> and he's like 28 years old. 
Hey, Kevin it's Kisner. Insane how much the poor Kevin Kisner top fifty. That's ridiculous to me. <laughs> Warriors made sixty six million. Oh my god, Keegan Bradley is two spots above Retief Goosen. This is so dumb. <laughs> Charles Howell the third is eighteenth. I mean, Xander Shoffley is already forty fifth. Jason Duffner is fifty fourth. Cameron Smith's 57th. Bryson 60. Bryson being 60 is kind of low. Dude, Daniel Berger is 69th. Nice. Aaron Baddeley is top 75 on the money list. <laughs> this is a, no, Scotty Scheffler's 80th. <laughs> he hopped he, five spots last week. <laughs> he was 84th a week ago, and now he's 80th. And he's had he's had like what? The winning is like the most he's won the most money in a season. Yeah. Yep. Most money all the time in a season. He, he broke that record at, like, Brookline. Yeah. Which is insane. Dude, Chez Reeby. Colin Morikawa is, is 98th. And Chez Reeby is 96th. Yep. Colin Morikawa is one spot below David Duvall, who has th- 13 PGA Tour wins at a major. <laughs> this is so stupid. This is Cameron Tringale is 170. <laughs> This is I, I'm gonna I would do this forever if we could. Let's talk BMW. Let's get back on track. Stop distracting. <laughs> stop distracting me, DJ. Um, but no, do you want to keep talking BMW? Do you want to um, do you want to talk Eastlake? Do you want to talk FedEx Cup? Wanna, um, is there anyone else you want to talk well, about from the I, leaderboard? I didn't really watch the BMW, so let's just talk about some guys that kind of that missed the uh the, I do, the top thirty. I do have a couple more shout outs. Real fast from watching BMW. Um, okay. I want to I talk about who made first because I want to be positive. And I have a couple shout outs for a couple guys. Um, one, Scott Stallings. Hell of a final round. The dude couldn't make a putt. He got so unlucky. And for him to lose a tournament by one stroke like that with how he putted on the back nine, mm-hmm. um, pulling up the live tournament stats now, uh, he lost 1.64 strokes on the back nine alone on Sunday putting. He lost two strokes total. He gained 2.95 strokes approach on Sunday, including 1.8 strokes on the back nine alone. The dude was striping Jesus. the ball. For so, for someone who hasn't really contended in three years, mm-hmm. that's so – and to be against Pat Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, like some of the names on that board, Scotty Scheffler. Mm-hmm. That was so – a lot of S's on the leaderboard. Yes. Scott Stalling, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley. <laughs> a lot of S's. But yeah, for to be in that leaderboard in that company and to make to have the day he did was so impressive. So big shout out to Scott Stallings, who is actually sixth on the data golf trending table. Didn't realize this. His last five starts, T4, T10, T13, missed cut, second. Dang. Scott Stallings is playing good golf. One um, o- one other guy who had a big Sunday is Cage Lee. Gained yeah. three point seven two strokes putting on Sunday. Good for him. He was number thirty one last year. He missed a putt on the eighteenth green last year that would have sent him to East Lake. And so for him to have the day he had with that memory in his head, mm. uh, really happy for KH Lee. Um, do you know Adam what the Scott? I'm oh, sorry. You want to keep on KH Lee? Do you know what the second closest person gained in 
how many strokes they gained putting on Sunday? Like one point four. It's two point seven. So he get, he outgained him by basically a stroke. And it was Sam Burns, my guy. Sam Burns putting well is scary. How did you not play better, Sam? Um, but uh, a couple other guys I want to shout out. I have two more. Uh, Adam Scott steps on the 18th tee, par or better. He goes to East Lake bogey. He doesn't. He doesn't. Um, and Shane Lowry gets in. Um, steps up, hits his tee shot, rolls toward a bunker, but doesn't roll into it. He's got an awkward stance with the ball basically at his waist. Has to like hack it out. Goes in the left bunker. And Adam Scott has a 35-yard bunker shot up and down to make it to East Lake, which is about half a million dollars on the line at minimum. That's what last place gets at East Lake. Half a million dollars on the line, 35-yard bunker shot, hardest shot in golf. Adam Scott hits it to 24 inches. <laughs> That's insane. That's sensual. That's incredible. So Adam Scott, massive shout-out, a guy who's been in that moment before but hasn't made it to East Lake in three or four years. I think 2019 is the last time he made it. So literally hasn't made it to East Lake since COVID. Um, so Adam Scott being that guy in that moment um, was really kind of good to see. And then my guy, I talked about a little earlier, Sahith Hagala is going to East Lake. <laughs> Let's go. I'm so happy. I was um, happy to see Sahith make it through. They, uh, I think Justin Ray tweeted and said, uh, with three holes left and said two birdies and he's in, one birdie and he's a chance. Uh, in 17, he rolls in like a 35-footer. Uh, and PG Tour released a really heartwarming video, make me even bigger Sahith fan, of him making that putt and his dad just going insane on the other side of the ropes. Like his dad was like hugging and shaking people and like hollering and like fist pumping in the air. It was remember, so heartwarming. I remember them showing his dad at the, uh, what was it, the waste manager earlier this yep. year where they were, he first like competed. Mm-hmm. That was pretty He's cool. Un- underratedly, one of the coolest people in golf, Mr. Thagala, man, what a guy. I I, 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 I am a big fan of the entire Thagala family. But for him to be as clearly – I mean, I obviously you never know someone entirely, but I feel – I got a pretty good feeling watching videos like this. For him to be as openly emotionally invested as he is in his son, but not only that, I remember some things that were said uh, by both Sahith and him after Phoenix – for him to not only be so emotionally invested in Sahith playing well, but for him to just be so genuinely proud of Sahith regardless of the results, and for him to be that figure, um, this, is, this is random random praise of Sahith Tagala's father. For him to be that figure through both wins and losses is really, really cool, um, at least from what you see on surface level. Um, yeah. And... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I that like in so 18th hole, 18th tee, Sahith Tagala needs a needs a birdie. Par might be good enough. Flares are right into the trees, and you see him drop the club off the tee. But he compartmentalizes, and he described it in the sickest way in the PGA Tour video. He said, like basically, like a long flop was the way he described this like mega slice he had to hit around a tree. <laughs> Hits it so so well, like he aims it like basically to like philadelphia yeah and it's like this 80 yard slice just short of the green chips it up to eight feet and the broadcast is like he might make it if he makes this putt but he's definitely missing missing east like if he misses this putt and eight feet dead center perfect roll um that's so huge for a guy who's gotten two really really bad breaks in big moments like that uh this season for him to make it to east like i'm so happy for him 
he's he's quickly rising. He's probably he's probably second on my favorite golfer list. And so for Sahith Tagala to be where he is, um, really really happy, really really heartwarming, really really glad to see him make it through. Yeah, the crazy thing is Tagala would win Rookie of the Year in almost any other season. Yeah, if Cam Young didn't have seven <laughs> podiums. <laughs> um, another another guy who's had a sneaky good year. Number thirty, Aaron Wise, twenty eighteen mm-hmm. rookie of the year. Still super young. He's only twenty six. That twenty eighteen season is his last trip to East Lake, too. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's got two top fifteens in his last three events. One of those was this past week at the BMW to get into the playoffs by eighteen points. But man, just a sneaky good year. Bunch of other, bunch of just. I mean, obviously, there's. I'm happy to see Max Oma East Lake too. We knew he was going to make it, but to see him finally get there is pretty cool. Yep, and Max had a really cool tweet about him getting there. Uh, also, one more guy I want to shout out: Corey Connors. I think he showed up to the 18th hole at the BMW, like 28 ninth or 30th, um, and hit a wedge shot to like 18 inches to make birdie and just cement his status <laughs> um, with like a T6, which was really sick. Um, so shout out Corey Connors, Pride of Canada. Um, for well, second pride of Canada. Shout out Brooke Henderson. But um to to have that shot in that moment. I don't even know if he knew what it meant, but if he did, holy crap. Even if he didn't, holy crap, what a great shot. But shout out. Yeah, I I is there anybody else who want to talk about me? I think every mostly everybody that made it. I mean, we expected besides the guys we talked about. Um Shane Lowry was the first guy out at 31st. Tough. Tough scene. Really had a what-could-have-been kind of season. Yeah. Tom Kim missed by four spots. Would have been It would have been really cool to see him make the top 30. I was – it felt like you, you can't – The part of the fun of the PGA Tour is you feel like you want to root for everybody. Uh, and it was really weird being kind of uh, – like I wanted Adam Scott because it's Adam Scott. I wanted to hit the gala because it's to hit the gala. You want KH Lee because he was 31st last year. Corey Connors is going down the stretch. It was so, so hard to not just root my absolute tail off for Trey Mullinax coming down the back nine. Yeah. To get into East Lake for the, all that guy's been through. A couple great, great profiles have been out there, especially on pjtour.com. I encourage you to Google and read all of them. Um, got hit in the head with a golf ball. Uh, basically, the, was misdiagnosed did had a concussion didn't really realize it kept practicing through the heat doctors basically told him he had to rest for months uh comes back and wins the barbasol uh a couple months a couple weeks ago and then finished i believe t8 this week Mm -hmm. um he was in there for a minute on the back nine made an unfortunate bogey late but it was really really hard to not just root for trey mullinax to just do everything he can and i still kind of was you have to in that moment with that kind of story so Glad Trey Mullinax finished the season this well. Heartbreaking. That's a, he's, he was this close to East Lake. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't know how many surprises there are here. Tom Kim falling out. Davis Riley falling out. Another really good rookie. Uh, Kiz falling out. Hurts as a local guy. Taylor Pendrith had a big week. Obviously wasn't enough to get him into East Lake, but had a big week. Anybody else you really want to talk about here? Or are we good to talk about this upcoming uh, weekend? I hope Mav McNeely makes it to East Lake next year. Uh, but that's really all I had. 
Do you know who, if you had told me they were going to miss Eastlake earlier in the year, I wouldn't have believed you? Russell Henley. Yeah, when he, when he was like both – when I picked him for the Masters and you yelled at me because I took your dark horse. <laughs> that was our, that was both of our Masters dark horses. And then he played you let, terrible. You, yeah, you let me pick first because you were like, no, nah, I got a guy you're never going <laughs> to guess. Like, I, I think you might win the tournament. And I was like, Russell Henley. And you're like, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember that. It was good times. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, on the other side of the spectrum um, – I feel really terrible saying this out loud, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. I had zero idea Andrew Putnam made it in the top 70. <laughs> He's 45th. I had no idea Andrew Putnam was that high. When did, where did he perform super well this year? I'm happy for him. Go Andrew Putnam. But, like, also, like, he showed up on my TV at one point on Sunday, and I was like, oh, my God. Um, yeah. Let's see. Please hold. Uh, we are currently – we're looking researching. Andrew Putnam's yeah, we, we're we're looking season. into the Andrew Put- we're looking into the Andrew Putnam situation. We have our best people <laughs> on it, and by best people, I mean DJ's uh, DJ's Google Chrome. He um, had, he had um, T six at the the Pebble Beach Pro Am. He played a lot. He had a couple good weeks in look the West this, Coast swing. Look at, look at this stretch right here. Just nothing from the from the Arnold Palmer to the Byron Nelson. He had one T forty one at the Bolero and. Eight missed cuts, seven missed cuts in eight events. Um, oh, he had a he had a T five last week. T, I, I, I'm like, listen, he had a T five at the FedEx St. Jude. That's awesome. How did he get to the playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> he had a couple like top. He had like five or six top fifteens. Uh, I'm sure it was a lot of volume. But yeah, shout out Andrew Putnam. I uh, didn't. I hadn't been keeping as much tabs as I should have on this season. And for him to get in and have the playoffs, he had. Uh, even if it wasn't enough for East Lake, shout out Andrew Putnam. He played some really, really great golf over the playoffs. Played 30 events. That's insane. Played 30 events, had seven top 25s. That sounds about right. The most points he got in a single event was at the Shriners Open. He got 65. Uh, I know he had 91 at Pebble. Oh, yeah, you're right. Forgot about that. Perceptive. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, listen, play all the time. That's what Patrick Reed said. He was said he had to play 35 times a year. Now he has to play 20 times in the Asian tour. That's for a different podcast. We'll pod that we'll have that talk another day. I'm sorry, I'm getting off track. Um, but yeah, do you want to talk about East Lake? Yeah, I'm ready to talk about East Lake. Let's go. Uh let's I'm gonna pull up the uh, starting leaderboard for the tour championship. Yeah, uh, if you will do this if you will humor thing. me. Um so yeah, going mm-hmm. into this year at the tour championship. Uh, Scotty Scheffler will start at 10 under par, uh, leading the FedEx Cup. He will start with a two-stroke lead, according to the staggered start. Uh, this is the third or fourth year of the staggered start, I believe. Uh, Patrick Cantley, eight under par. Will Zalatoris, seven under par. Xander, six under. Sam Burns, five under. Cam Smith, Rory McIlroy, Tony Finau, Sepp Straka. Shout out <laughs> Sepp Straka. And Sung JM at four under. I'm so excited. I hope Sepp Straka contends just so I can see him challenge every body of water on Sunday like an absolute maniac. <laughs> um, three under par, John Rahm, Scott Stallings, Justin Thomas, Cam Young, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Two under, Max Homa, shout out the pro. Hideki Matsuyama, Jordan Spieth, Joaquin Neiman, Victor Hovland, uh, Colin Morikawa, Billy Horschel, Tom Hoagie, Corey Connors, and Brian Harmon at one under. Shout out Brian Harmon for making yeah. it to Eastlake. Good for Georgia him. boy. Georgia boy. Uh, even par, KH Lee, JT Poston, Sahith Tagala, Adam Scott, Aaron Weiss. Okay, DJ, 
outside of Sahith Tagala who wins this event. <laughs> oh, he shoots man. 63, 62, 64 in the first three <laughs> days and wins by nine. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, uh, looking at this leaderboard, um, both staggered start and just generally, how do you feeling? Man, I don't know. I mean, staggered start, obviously you have Scotty Scheffler 10 under. I mean, you give Scotty Scheffler 10 under to start the week. It's a scary sight. Yeah, spot, spotting Scotty Scheffler strokes is really not smart <laughs> at, the, at this current iteration of golf. Spotting Scotty Scheffler, two, even just two strokes on Patrick Cantlay is just tough. Also, do we know if Cam Smith is playing this week? Not. I mean, there, we have no indication that he isn't, but he did withdraw for an injury last week. We have no proof that he is healthier. I would assume my guess is that his hip was slightly bothering him and he didn't want to aggravate it going into this because he knew he was going to make it to the Tour Championship and this is kind of the real sweepstakes. So my guess would be that he's probably fine and just didn't want to risk aggravating it last week. Also, on the same note, Will Zalatoris, has he confirmed that he's playing this week? He hasn't indicated that he won't. But it's he, kind of the similar scenario. I was like, yeah, he, he, he was getting some Cairo work on that back. Yeah, that would suck if he couldn't play. That would really suck. Um, because he's a guy but, I would look at picking to win. He is a guy I'd look at picking. Jeez, um, man, I don't know how you don't pick Scotty Scheffler right now. I mean – Screw it. I'm going with my guy. I picked him to get second in the FedEx Cup at the beginning of the year. I'm going with him to win the FedEx Cup. Sam Burns needs something to go his way. I thought he was going to compete at every single major this year. He didn't compete at really a single one, if I remember right, but – here he is. That's he, fair. He's fifth in the FedEx Cup. He's right there. Just give me one big week, Sammy. All right. If you're picking your guy, I'm picking mine. Uh, if you if you're asking me to look beyond Scotty Scheffler or Patrick Cantlay, give me Rory at East Lake. I will take Rory at East Lake. If he gets there, he has a chance. Like if he's even if he's even par and everyone and the leader is ten under, Rory's played East Lake so freaking well in the speaking, past. Speaking of Rory. Second to worst course fit, according to Datago. He's won this tournament twice. That's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. He's literally won here multiple times. To be fair, Sam Burns is the fourth worst. So That's true. Um, he's won this tournament multiple times. How is he the second worst course fit? Um, but no, you know what else he was? He led the field in strokes gained T to green last week. Yes, he did. I did see that. Uh, he also managed to somehow lose... <laughs> if you can excuse me, uh, doing a little math, he lost 1.67 strokes putting on Sunday, 2.97 strokes putting on Saturday, <laughs> and one stroke putting on Friday. So for all of you doing math at home, that is just over five and a half strokes putting in the last three days. For a guy who lost by five, that is not hard math to do. He also made a triple on Thursday. So... In this week's edition of Rory McIlroy lost himself a tournament in a new and creative way. That, whatever that was. Everybody, um, everybody's favorite roller coaster. Everybody's favorite roller coaster. Um, also, back he, to Sam Burns for a second. His major finishes this year, he was he missed the cut at the Masters, went 75-74. Tied T20 at PGA Championship, T27 at the U.S. Open, and a T42 at the Open. Just, okay, that T27 in the U.S. Open is kind of sneaky because he was like in the fourth to last group and just ejected. So Sunday 76. Not not great. Very tough scene. Um, 
but yeah, uh, Rory somehow gained three strokes over the week with his irons, despite losing 1.72 on one hole on Thursday. Oh my God. He hit, he hit it in the water and then hit his drop into the bunker to make a triple on a par three on Thursday. And uh, every other day he gained half a stroke, one stroke, one and a half strokes with his irons, gained two strokes with his irons on the back nine Sunday alone. Um, but yeah, if you give me Rory at a course where he's won twice, because Rory, again, I think I've, I've spoken the world of Rory's talent before. There's a little bit of Bubba Watson and Rory where like when he gets on a course, he likes, he's like so excited by Wednesday that you could just tell. Like he, he, his game fits anywhere, but there are certain courses that he goes and he's, he's strutting on the second hole on Thursday, even if he made a bogey, like he just knows that that course sets up well for him to just run downhill. And Eastlake is one of those courses, a lot of long approach shots, a lot of long par fives, a lot of long narrow par fours. It just feeds his game. Um, so if you give me Rory McIlroy with the season he's having and the way he's striking the ball, um, it would honestly probably piss me off if he won the FedEx Cup and like led the PGA Tour in stroke gain this season without winning a major for like the third time since 2014 that he would have done that. But like he won three times and like won a FedEx Cup. Um, that would honestly probably annoy me uh, more than it would really entertain me. <laughs> um, but it, it would see, it would be very Rory McIlroy core for him to just be like, all right, it's it's East Lake. I'm just going to shoot 66, 66, 65, 63. And like beat Scotty by two. Um, <laughs> so if you're asking me to pick someone that's not named Scotty Scheffler or Patrick Cantlay, Rory's spotting them six strokes, but he might he might shoot like 15, 16 under par on his own ball this week. Yeah, I feel like Sam Burns is either going to actually compete or he's going to he he could finish third. Year. I wouldn't. Put that's it true. Past him. That's true too. Um. But man, I, I, Will Zalator starting at seven over. I I like Zally at seven under a lot. Any 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 conf, any confidence in Tony Fee now? He's playing really well. Xander's playing really well. And I wanted Xander to win this week. Xander's won in East Xander's won twice. If you count the uh, fifty-four hole stroke play, Xander's won twice at East Lake. He won his rookie year, and then he won in 2020 when he won the, like, actual tournament when DJ won the aggregate. Yeah, Um, true. Xander is always there at Eastlake. So, uh, we could be – like, I could gas up Rory and Will and Scotty Scheffler and Tony Finau as much as I want. And if we hump on this podcast next Sunday, and it's like, oh, Xander Shoffley won the Tour Championship by six, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. John Rahm at three under is – I mean, obviously he's spotting seven strokes, but I mean, if he's spotting, no, he's not only spotting seven strokes in the aggregate, he's spotting seven strokes with his putting to immediately start the week. And then he's just going to have to ball strike his way around the other 14 strokes, Uh, which if anybody could do it, it would probably be John Rahm. The dude's a maniac, but. um, Okay. So let's talk about these, I guess. I don't really know all the way to four under three under. Who do you just think is like just you're not worried about them winning this week? On the on the, on the other end of things, who are you just not worried about? Oh God. Um I hate picking on him because he's really the easiest one. He's clearly a tier below everyone starting three under or higher. Um 
God bless the Memphis gods. I'm not worried about Seth Straka at all. I'm I'm really not concerned. I'm not on Seth Straka watch, um, which feels like the easy one to pick on because he's really a tier below every other player starting at three under or lower. Um, so I'll I'll pick somebody else. Um, I hate saying I'm really not worried about Sam Burns. I'm I'm really not on Burns watch. Um, I know it goes directly against you. I can see the hand on your heart. I'm sorry, Deej. Um, but I'm really not overly worried about Sam Burns coming out and roasting the field this week. No, I mean it. It would not surprise me in the slightest if he if at if on Sunday he's t thirty or just DFL just dead last. Yep, he, just, he has the he has the capability to do both of those things. Uh, yeah, just, maybe more so than anyone else. I don't know. We've had we we've. Uh, talked about our sam burns takes ad nauseum on this podcast that'll be for like an off season or like a 2022 season preview conversation um but yeah i'm not i'm not really overly worried about burns you know okay so i was looking at him as somebody i wouldn't be worried about i didn't know he's playing so well in his past few events is soon jm he's a killer dude Sungjae's a hunter t2 t2 12 t15 in his last four events Who's playing great golf? I mean, obviously, you said Seb Straka. I'm not really worried about him. Seb Straka did turn me into a little bit of a fan with some of the lines he was taking at Memphis, though. Just that was the absurd yeah. shots he was hitting. Objectively sick. Yeah. No, for him, again, I t- he won me over when he like nearly hooked the three wood in the pond and then just immediately <laughs> hit three wood again on the next tee. Um, that like immediately won me over. Um, but yeah, according to Data Golf, so Data Golf actually really is a really cool thing. Shout out Data Golf, like I do like all the time. Uh, they have a prediction model for who wins the FedEx Cup. Is it really? They do. Um, Scotty Scheffler is a 34.8% chance uh, to win the FedEx Cup. Uh, Patrick Cantlay is second at 14.6. Xander, 9.3. Rory, 7.9. Will Zalatoris, 7.8. Dang. They have zero faith in Sepp Straka, who starts ninth but has a 0.2% chance of winning the FedEx Cup, <laughs> which is below – he's below Aaron Wise, who is literally last. Oh, my God. Which is a little disrespectful to me. Um, and, I mean, Sepp Straka and Aaron Wise, I mean, that's the same tier of golfer. Mm. Almost. I do I do want to defend data golf, like, ever so slightly. Um Memphis, not if you take out Memphis, Sepstraka has shot like three rounds in the 60s since May 1st. True, true. like he was too, he was like data golf goes in like a three month roaming period for the most part. They heavily balanced your recent play mm-hmm. literally bef- before Austin, he was or uh, before Memphis, he was 244th in the data golf rankings. <laughs> he was in the wilderness. Um, so. I do, I do want to give them a little bit of leniency. Their models are probably like, yo, this guy like is this guy this guy is not this guy is not who he was in Memphis. And maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But uh that 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 feels a little alarming to me to be like, oh my god, Substrock has a 0.2% chance of winning this by being ninth. Dude, I don't know who else I'm not worried about. Um 10, under, through the- 10 under to five under. I think all those guys could win. I mean, hell, I picked sure. Sam Burns to win the freaking thing. Yeah, they're low on Burns. They're low on Cam Smith. Only 2.3% chance. Uh, probably due to injury, probably due to bad course fit. Eastlake is just long with thick rough, and Cam Smith is not long and crooked. 
<laughs> he's not short. He's not short anymore, but he is he's he like he's definitely not short. Yeah. Um, but he is very crooked. <laughs> and so Cam Smith is as uh, a friend of mine, uh, Matt French called it. He's a PGA tour player with a duck hook. <laughs> which is really impressive. But uh, Cam Smith might struggle if that comes out a couple too many times this week if he plays. Yeah, you talk about – we talked about it with Seb Strzok. You talk about some psycho shots. Cam Smith hits psycho shots in every freaking round. Cam Smith, is, Cam Smith is a psycho golfer. He is. If you gave Cam Smith – I, I would love to see what PGA Tour players would – I would love to have like one really, really hard tournament where tour players aren't allowed to have caddies and have to get all their own yardages and make their own decisions. I feel like Cam Smith <laughs> would either like oh I feel like Cam Smith would either evolve or eject. Like he oh, would yeah. either he would either like hit at every single pin and shoot like 62 or like 84. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um his caddy must have gray hair. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, that is. Uh, I'm not overly worried about Cam Smith either. I know he won the Open, um, but he seems a little distracted among uh, live golf rumors that we can talk about surely on another podcast. Uh, he seems very distracted, really outside of the Open Championship, which still irritates me a little bit. Outside of the Open, he has done nothing since like mid-May. Yeah. So Cam Smith not overly concerned, which means he's probably going to win now, despite me. Um, but yeah, that's, that is, uh, my thoughts on Eastlake for the most part. Um, I guess Matthew Fitzpatrick, I mean, obviously he's at three under, I don't, I don't think he'll win. Just he's been, obviously he won the U S open and he's had a T six and a T five since then, but he also had a T 48 last week and a T 21. I mean, T 21 at the open is terrible, but I don't know. I just, he's, Seven shots down, so it's not like we're expecting him to win, but I don't expect him to really make a run and compete. But I mean, I think we locked our picks in stone. I have Sam Burns. You have, did you have Xander Shoffley? Or no, you had Rory. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm picking Scotty, but like I want to not pick Scotty because I want to be fun. Sure. So, like, outside of Scotty, I'm picking Rory. Okay, I got you. I'm picking Burns regardless. It's my guy. Heard. Have confidence Go. in him. Run with him. And you know what? You get double bragging rights if he wins. Because not only was he your pick to win, he was my pick not to win. So <laughs> you get double True. bragging rights next Sunday if he comes home with a FedEx Cup. That would really irritate me. God, dude. I mean, even if he just gets second and that's the one – if he gets second in the FedEx Cup and that's the one prediction I get right, like, all year, I'm just gonna, it's just going to hurt. Who did you pick to be first, Ron? Yes. Okay, we cannot talk about that part of it. <laughs> Unless he wins, then you get full credit. If John Rahm won <laughs> and he had like the worst season of his professional career, but you still get to get bragging rights who are picking him to win the FedEx Cup in like January. Yeah, when did I send that tweet out? Because that was forever ago. I think that was before the wraparound season. So it might I have been literally a year too. ago. I think I have a picture of it, actually. I, the only I, take I have a picture of is Rory winning in St. Andrews. I have to delete that. <laughs> every episode. I have to bring up how much that hurts every episode. On January 6, 2022, I put out my major predictions and my FedEx Cup predictions. I, I had Patrick Cantley winning the players, John Rahm winning the Masters, Sam Burns winning the PGA Championship, 
Brooks Kepka winning the U.S. Open and Jordan Spieth winning the Open. Oh, I did that. Hold on. Let me see. And I went over five on majors plus players. Let's see. Oh, that's why. I was like, why is it not coming up? I'm typing in my Twitter username wrong. Just need Burns to make me look smart. Give us some credibility going into the offseason. All right. From January 5th. My picks. 2022. Players. Patrick Cantley. Xander Shoffley. At the Masters. John Rahm at the PGA. No. Victor Hovland at the U.S. Open, no, and Rory at the Open. <laughs> so, uh, which is better than my friend Michael, who picked Brooks Kepka to win all five. Jesus. Um, and look at Brooksy now. <sighs> look at Brooksy now. Oh, man. But yeah, that is uh, that's all I have. I'm excited. I'm excited for this week. Me too. Did you have a um, preseason prediction for the FedEx? Uh, no, not officially. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know who I would have picked, and I feel like anything I say now <laughs> is color. I, I picked Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, clearly I you you clearly picked Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Hanley, and Will's Alatoris. Yeah, those are actually my three picks, and <laughs> I said in that order. At the start of the season, too, I was like, "It's going to be one of those three guys. They're going to be right there going into the start of it." I remember um, you. I remember you also had Cam Young at at, at Eastlake and Santagala. I don't know if I would have had Cam <laughs> Young and Santagala at Eastlake. I think I would have picked Cam Young for Rookie of the Year in January. True. Which wish I had that in writing because I can't. <laughs> it doesn't really count for anything. But I do like a, Cam Young was like a menace on the corn ferry last year. So, oh, wish I had proof. I, do we have anything else we want to add um, for the um, Tour Championship? Nothing that comes to my mind. We got our picks. We got the people we like. We got the people we don't like. We got talked about East Lake. I got my Rory segment that I get every week. <laughs> um, One more thing that I think we need to at least discuss. Oh, uh, right. The automatic qualifiers for the President's Cup, both the U.S. team oh, and the national team, came out yesterday. For the U.S., it'll be Sam Burns, Patrick Cantley, Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, Scotty Scheffler, and Justin Thomas. For the international team, as of now, it'll be Corey Connors, Sung J.M., Tom Kim, Hideki Matsuyama, Joaquin Neiman, Mito Pereira, Adam Scott, and Cam Smith. Half of those guys might not be on the PGA Tour next year. <laughs> yeah. Cam Smith might not be in the PGA Tour in two weeks. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have – I mean, that that's a really enticing group of automatic qualifiers. The U.S. is just so goddamn deep, dude. Yeah. So deep. Um, that, like, it look, this looks like a fun, if lopsided thing from the qualifiers alone. Um, but looking at the U.S. Uh, – yeah, if you could pull up the U.S. standings for the President's Cup. Um, 
It'll load. Will's Will's Alatoris didn't qualify. He's seventh. He's gonna make the team. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, Jordan, I mean, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Cameron Young. You really don't have to look past the top twelve. That's the that's the team. Max Homa, put Sahith Thigala on the team. I don't care. Find a spot. Kick Billy Horschel. See, um, I, I wanted to kick Billy Horschel for Kevin Kisner. Nah, get the young blood in there. Um, but no, like that team. Like scrolling up, if you told me the automatic qualifiers of the U.S. were Will Zalatoris, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, Cameron Young, I'd be like, that's pretty even with the international side. That's seven through twelve. Yeah, for the U.S. without the live guys, <laughs> they're so so insane. What are the um, internationals? I, I do have two more things of golf news outside of the course that I think we need to we need to touch on because they're okay. massive massive things for the world of golf. Um, okay. So that's coming up uh, whenever you are done looking at the international standings. Yeah, I just want to see who's on here. What they announced? What eight automatic qualifiers? Uh, yes. Ryan Fox at 13. This is a weird combination of guys. International is just really top-heavy, especially with the guys they lost. K.H. Lee, automatic guy. Adam Hadwin, I put on there already. Leishman probably should be if he's still on the if he's still there. Um, Sibu Kim would be kind of fun, but he's, he might not be hurt. He might be healthy. Uh, Cam Davis. Honestly, I would pick Cam Davis. I know he's way down there. I would pick Cam Davis. I think Taylor Pendrith would be fun too. I think Taylor Pendrith should be on the team. Uh, but yeah, it's just like like it's just so so top heavy. Um, what has Eric Van Royen done this year? It's a great question. Um, but no, I got I got I got two things that I want to mention. Uh, first, uh, shout out again to No Laying Up. Uh, not just not just even for like a take they have that I'm stealing or anything else. Uh, an exclusive report they had earlier today. Uh, mentioned that the meeting that Tiger Woods flew up to Delaware for um, the meeting of the top players in the PGA Tour with guys present, including Rory, Scotty, Patrick Cantley, John Roms, Xander, Justin Thomas, Morikawa, Zalatoris, Victor Hovland, Fitzpatrick, Burns, Spieth, Finau, Billy Horschel, Cam Young, Joaquin Neiman, Max Homa, Shane Lowry, Tyrrell Hatton, Kevin Kisner, Adam Scott, Ricky Fowler, Tiger, um, all 23 players, according to norm- numerous sources inside and outside of the meeting, said were left unanimous in support of a plan that involves just more raised field, limited event, higher salary events. Um, that said that, if I can find the exact wording of it, according to multiple situations, the proposed plan would involve limiting fields and elevating purses up to up for up to 15 events in the PGA Tour, creating a series of events around the game's top players who who will commit to building their schedules around them. This is the kind of thing the PGA Tour has needed, and it's needed it for two decades, and it's needed it now more than ever. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm talking about the new schedule, but more than anything, I'm talking about having 20 of the top 30 players in the world sit in a room and talk about what they think they want to do and what would make them all play the same events. Mm Mm-hmm. We need 15 events where we know that all of the top 30 players in the world are going to be there. Yes. And we know that they all want to be there and they, know that they are there because they're the top 30 players in the world. We need that in golf. We need that for the PGA Tour. And I'm glad that these guys are all talking about this and a thing that suits them. And in a situation that would definitely suit the fans, 
and something that Tiger supports. Like for Tiger to throw his weight behind this, that's huge. This is not only is it the biggest throw, like not only is it the biggest, they're punching upwards at Live Golf with the amount of money that is being thrown into it from Saudi for the Saudi government mm-hmm. um, and the amount of money they have to burn. But this is the largest punch they could throw upward is getting the top 30 guys in the world, getting Tiger's voice involved and getting a lot extra motivation for you to be a top 50 player on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Uh, according to the proposal, the remaining events not included in the elevated series would be played as similar purses, uh, which would like at the low end still be about seven million in prize pool with about a million for the winner. Um, and the proposal includes the provision that players exempt for the elevated series would need to play at least three events outside of them. Mm-hmm. That seems great to me. These these events could feature purses of like twenty million dollars, according to multiple sources. Um, and apparently there's reports that the tour might renounce its tax exempt status to privatize and sell equity in the new venture. But no, wait, no, never mind. That was an inaccurate report. I misread. Apologies. Uh, tour will not renounce its tax exempt status. That is an inaccurate report. No laying up is refuting it based on multiple sources. Um, it was not discussed. Um, didn't, but didn't, uh, this, is the, this is the kind of stuff that means. Didn't NLU report that Hideki is staying on the PGA Tour too? I believe... Because that's Let huge. me look. Because if Hideki goes to live, Japan goes to live. Yes. No, it wasn't NLU. It was somebody else, wasn't it? So it must have been somebody else. That's not a top report. I remember um, liking the tweet. Hold on. Let me let me go find it. Because who was it? I know I saw the report that he was supposed to be saying staying on the PGA Tour. Um. Well, it was from on the, on the No Laying Up podcast. They reported last night they heard Hideki Matsuyama is committed to the PGA Tour. Yes. So they did not tweet, but on their podcast they said that according to their sources. And uh, Dan Rappaport tweeted earlier today, I agree with him. Hideki's the momentum swing, he which is. doesn't really feel like he would be for a guy who's like top 20 in the world, recent Masters champion, but not really one of the megastars in the U.S. Hideki is the domino. If Hideki goes to live, live might stay around forever. The Aussie team would suck. Yeah. Um, but Hideki would give live the ability to doggy paddle. Because I think uh, Rappaport said it, if, if, if Hideki goes to LIV, they're going to – I mean, they're going to sponsor LIV. They're going to sponsor a team. J- Japan will be behind LIV as a entire country because yep. Japan loves golf, and they love 100%. Hideki. Um, but, yeah, according to uh, – let me see. According to a – tweet from the flushing it podcast that's the one i saw yep which is referencing the no laying up podcast i believe so triple credit um all around but yeah a tweet from flushing it golf uh where is it here uh uh, so, uh, Chris Solomon on the No Laying Up podcast last night. Based on the extensive conversations Hideki 
Joaquin Neiman, Adam Scott, and Cameron Young, we can say definitively that those guys are committed to the PGA Tour. Uh, and then another tweet, uh, five and seven live signings Ian Wiley talked about include Cam, Leash, Harold Varner III, Jangali, and Lahiri. Uh, I'll be amazed if any of them don't go. Um, Lahiri sucks. Uh, I'm surprised Harold Varner's not gone already. He's been liking passive aggressive tweets about Rory since the Canadian Open. Uh, Cam seemed, seemed like a done deal for weeks. Uh, Leash kind of sucks. That goes against a lot of things I thought about Leash. Cameron, Cameron Tringali. Yeah, what? What the hell? Know. What the hell? Um, that's, man, that's just I a weird guy to want on your tour. It is. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that is a lot of big dominoes to fall. If Hideki is committed, that's really great news. Um, but that is a massive, massive update in terms of that meeting that was held. Um, so I figured it determines a mention. And I honestly can't say anything other than I'm a massive fan of the idea of getting smaller events with the top players and only the top players in the world around. Yeah. Um, and then another one, uh, Eamon Lynch got an exclusive report that Tiger and Rory are set to launch a technology-driven competition for top stars in the PGA Tour uh, that is meant for more of a stadium environment, kind of like simulator golf a little bit, staged with a live audience that's meant to run for like January through March. Um, they've had discussions with broadcast and gaming partners. The source of NBC Sports is the, the network has the option. Um, uh, the players-only meeting that was held, a couple guys got information about it, um, which is part of why Woods made the trip. Um, apparently they've been working on the project for more than two years. Um, and it's part of all of another part of why they've been rallying with the PGA, like behind the PGA tour. So there are not many details behind it, but this is the kind of stuff like live talks a lot and blows a lot of hot air about growing the game and just getting more people in front of it. Mm -hmm. Stuff like this is how you grow the game. Yes. Like I think that the plan that they talked about at the meeting that we talked about a second ago with the, like the, prestigious series the elevated events is how you keep the pga tour alive and how you evolve um but stuff like stadium golf and playing in front of an audience and playing on simulators and doing top golf style stuff that's how you attract new eyes to golf yeah definitely definitely so i think those are two big things that i think determined to mention and could really shape the future of golf and could shape the future of golf really quickly yeah i definitely agree I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it a ton this off season, but oh, for sure, we have so much time. To all talk all about. the all the top players throwing their weight behind all these ideas is great for the PGA Tour, or something that has been long overdue. But I mean, I think that's really all there is to talk about, or there, all there was yeah. to talk about. I know this episode went really long, but yeah, I mean, big we, eventful week. We really hit on everything. Big tournament coming up, season about to wrap up, but we will. I mean. Be ready for the offseason. We have some cool things planned. We do have a lot of cool things to talk about and a lot of cool things planned. So keep 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 an eye on the double cross this offseason. Yes, sir. I, I think that's all we have. I think unless you have any closing words, I think we're we're good to go. If you're still listening at this point, hi mom. <laughs> Other than that, I don't really know. Thanks for sticking around with me this long and letting me talk, Deej. It's always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. And I want to thank y'all for listening and we'll see y'all next week.